Welcome to the film show on KBOO. Uh, today we have a special program for you about Portland history in film. I'm SW Concert, and I'll be joined in just a few minutes by my co-host Jen Chavez. Uh, Jen is bringing us a special report about Vanport, the northern Oregon city that was founded in 1942 and destroyed by massive floodwaters only six years later. The Vanport Mosaic Festival is featuring exhibits and documentaries, including the film Lost City Living Memories, Vanport Through the Voices of Its Residents. And Jen will be talking with story midwife Laura Loforti. And I'll be talking with Greg Hamilton. He's a local curator and film archivist. And we'll be talking about some interesting historical footage of the century-old uh, Rose Festival here in Portland. Uh, but first, let's welcome audiovisual artist Carl Deal to our studios. Uh, Carl has been experimenting with sound and video since the analog days, helping establish such local collectives as Weird Fiction. And he's got a retrospective coming up at, at the Northwest Film Center. It's called Electronic Elsewhere. Uh, the director will be in attendance to answer any of the questions that we don't get to this morning. Uh, so, Carl Deal, it's a pleasure to have you on the film show. Thanks for having me. So uh, tell us about this this uh, retrospective that's going to happen. You've got 13 videos that are uh, coming up at the Film Center tonight, and uh, you talk about them uh, in a way as collage essays, some of them. Uh, yeah, there's um, it's 13 works. They span over better part of 20 years, and uh, uh, some of them, there's kind of like three dominant modes uh, that, that continue to be sort of compelling challenges. Um, and the one is what you know what what is sometimes called a collage essay, a sort of figurative language stretching word, the possibility of words, but also um, bringing in stretched out image and sound and some sort of interplay between those. And then um, uh, others are more about um, re rewiring genre or sort of rewiring visual rhetorical devices. Um, particularly, I'm interested in, in sort of nonfiction media genres. Um, what, what are the sort of expectations um, there? And um, and then uh, the, a lot of this stuff is kind of like formal experimentation. And so there's this idea of uh, kinetic empathy. Um, and those would be sort of like three dominant uh, modes of making. Well, we were talking about, before the show started, we were uh, uh, talking about shows such as uh, Breaking Bad that have a lot of parallel cuts between things that are unrelated and, and the artistic way that those are done in some uh, mainstream media. And, uh, and you really admire that sort of thing. And uh, you do um, similar things with some of the works that, that, uh, that you make from images that you come across. Uh, and decide to put on film and put on video. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is one of the sort of like exciting challenges of working with moving image and sound, um, particularly as it is really like the more you work with it, just trying to sort of come up with with sort of puzzles or challenges for yourself. Like, okay, well, if I'm I am doing, if there's a lot of information that's provided visually, then then how much can the sound sort of go astray, and and what does that do to uh, invite and or provoke the viewer to you know be part of the process of uh of uh 
making meaning or, or yeah. Now you've got some provocative uh, titles to some of your uh, to some of your short works. Archaeologists ask questions. Uh, rock robot, uh, blob squatch in the expanded field, and uh, and I, I know that you're interested in what you call figurative language. So you know, uh, not just confining language to to text or to uh, spoken words, but, you know, to images and also to sound that doesn't, you know, necessarily have a, uh, um, an intended, an, an intended kind of meaning. Uh, yeah. Um, again, this is sort of the degenerative and, and sort of exciting possibilities of language kind of stretched across these different media um, is uh, what are the sort of possibilities and sort of metaphorical um, stretches that you can uh, carry out. Um, how can you sort of rewire the expectations of an audience? You know, increasingly media savvy, media literate. So, can you sort of, in a playful way, uh, sort of uh, game them and uh, uh, set up puzzles? Uh, so the, the the viewing experience is is sort of this shared uh, um, conversation. Well, one of the highlights, it looks like, of the series is a film called Derelict Dirigibles. And it, it sounds like this one will be fun for people who like steampunk. There's a lot of, uh, as you say, obsolete astronomies, phantom airships, new gadgets, and other techno myths. And you teamed up with a composer named Randy McKean, uh, who really added uh, a, a sound element to this that, that you were very uh, pleased with. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was an opportunity through a series actually uh, in the Bay Area called uh, Mission Eye and Ear series, and um, uh, video artists, filmmakers were paired with uh, composers. And so, what I wanted to do was approach video, approach moving image composition acoustically, particularly sort of thinking about simultaneous events that are kind of shifting in sort of different densities of texture and uh, tonality. Um, and um, also these ideas of different kinetic articulations. And because I was working with, collaborating with the composer, I, I wanted to, again, sort of in a playful way, um, sort of uh, set up a, a sort of challenge for him. And so set up ryth rhythmic structures that would then sort of break away unexpectedly or repeat images that would be slightly off kilter from the first time you experienced them. And then the Randy McKean, the composer I was working with, you know, he could negotiate what he was going to work with or work against um, with the music. Um, but it's, uh, I, I think maybe it's, uh, it's a palate cleanser uh, to kind of start with that one. And then we'll kind of continue into these other works that will have some echoes uh, formally in, in subject matter. And you've got uh, material from all over the world, and, and some of your later works are really focus on Portland. So the Portland audience tonight can catch you at the Northwest Film Center starting at uh, 7 p.m., is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's, it's at the Witzel Auditorium at the Art Museum. Right, and uh, people can find out more about your work at electronicelsewhere.com. Is that uh, the website? Correct. Electronicelsewhere.com. Carl Deal, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Uh, you're tuned into the film show on KBU. I'm SW Concert, and in a few minutes, I'll be talking with Greg Hamilton. Greg has been collecting archival films about the century-old Portland Rose Festival, and will be screening a number of them at the Historic Hollywood Theater. All right now, though, let's talk with my co-host, Jen Chavez. Jen is covering the upcoming Vanport Mosaic Festival and has Laura Loforti on hand. Laura's been documenting the stories of the people of Vanport as we get close to the 75th anniversary of the city's founding.
This week in Portland City Council, Mayor Ted Wheeler proclaimed May 30th to be Vanport Day of Remembrance. Once the second largest city in Oregon, Vanport was a World War II-era housing project for the region's influx of shipyard workers built hastily in 1942 on a floodplain between Portland and the Columbia River. It was racially diverse, with a large African-American community, as well as other groups, shut out of Portland by racist housing policies. Here's former resident Beatrice Gil- more addressing city council. When I landed here in Portland, we moved into Vanport. Vanport, with its apartments and cultures from all over the United States, and people who had ethnicities different than mine. So it was an opportunity for mixing. On a single afternoon in 1948, a flood and the breach of a dike put the whole city underwater, killing 15 people and displacing tens of thousands more. In what the Smithsonian Magazine once called, quote, an integral chapter in Oregon's racist history, end quote. Here's another former resident, Robert Matsunaga. At the time the flood occurred, uh, I was at a movie theater and uh, there was an announcement on the PA system that the dike broke and that we were all told to evacuate and head for our homes. And when I got to my home, which was several blocks from the theater, we hopped on the car and we picked up two other families with us. So we headed upon Denver Avenue to uh, escape the, the flood. I could see the waters coming. And uh, it was kind of a very uh, horrific experience. This year marks the 75th anniversary of the establishment of Vanport. This weekend, the multidisciplinary Vanport Mosaic Festival will celebrate and mourn its history from May 26th through the 29th at multiple venues in North Portland. The festival will feature theater pieces, history exhibits, the gentrification is weird bike ride, and film. In addition to several documentary screenings, the festival will feature community-produced oral history documentary shorts that tell the story of Vanport through the voices of former residents like Beatrice and Robert. Laura Loforti, festival co-director, joined me recently to talk more. Central to your work for the Mosaic has been this ongoing oral history project. These are documentary shorts What do these um, mediums, the film medium, the oral history medium, hearing the direct voices of survivors, um, what does that get across about Vanport that perhaps people might not be able to pick up from reading a book or a history article? I think the story is being reduced to the story of the tragedy. Uh, When we started to research and and explore what's out there about Vanport, it was usually something about the flood. So... I felt that this was a very uh, sad approach to the story of a community that lived in a place uh, for almost six years. It was a city of 14,000 people, probably way more. And so the idea of doing a mosaic of voices and and allowing people to um, add their own personal narratives really created a much richer story that goes beyond the day of the tragedy. So... When you hear directly from people who live there and you hear about what they built, why they came, how they learned how to live together, and then what they lost, I think the story of of one day of 69 years ago has an incredible uh, resonance and and, um, emotional impact on us. 
Are there any moments or interviews that come to mind as being particularly um, interesting to you in this way or particularly moving that you would want to highlight? The festival has a theme this year. This year marks the 75th anniversary of the building of the city of Vanport. And Vanport was built to address a housing crisis. So we really want to uh, invite Portlanders to, uh, people even coming from outside Portland, why not, to really reflect on the history and the current crisis. So this year we really explore stories of uh, community, belonging and displacement. And one story that really touched my heart uh, profoundly is the story of Albert Oyama. Uh, Mr. Oyama actually passed away a few years ago, so we didn't have the chance to ask him questions. But uh, we were fortunate enough to find his interviews uh, archived at Densho, which is an incredible archive about the Japanese uh, history of our area. And so we got, got permission to use that footage to tell his story. And through his memories, we are telling the story of the Japanese Americans who were first displaced by Japantown. They were forced to leave Japantown in 1942, and then they were interned. And then when they returned, there was nothing left of their city, of their community. And so one of the very few places where they could go and live was Vanport. Vanport was affordable housing. So many Japanese Americans, when they came back after being in prison camps, found uh, housing in Vanport. Vanport was affordable housing. Vanport was uh, a multiracial community. So many people who were not welcome in Portland or in the rest of the, the region ended up living in Vanport. And so that happened to, uh, I think it was around 300 Japanese Americans. And then th through his story, you learn that when the flood came, people lost everything. And in his case, his mother uh, was one of the flood victims. So his mother lived in Vanport and lost her life. So the Japanese community not, not only uh, lost everything through the internments, but then once again, they lost everything through the flood. So it's a particularly uh, heartbreaking story that uh, shows you the vulnerability of, of communities by intention. These are intentional policies. This is intentional uh, racism. So that story to me speaks volume of our history and our current crisis since also we are using the same language about other communities. Yeah, um, and I, I want to ask a little bit more about that. But first, I want to ask uh, about this this uh, oral history project. You have called yourself a story midwife in relation to the filmmaking project. These short films are produced by community members, not by you. Um, can you talk more about why the community-driven aspect of this is important and what your role has been in that? Well, I think uh, I often say that stories build communities and never like in this project I've seen that actually happening. There's something that happens when you involve ordinary people in asking questions and sitting with each other and, and exploring each other's um, life experience. So... That aspect is, is, is priceless. So there's something really important to me that happens through this participatory process. I also find that people ask very interesting questions. They, people not trained in journalism, like myself, um, have genuine uh, questions that are um, driven by emotion and not by the idea of getting a specific story. So I find that um, pretty refreshing, and I think there's something... Uh, that's allowing really rich uh, narratives to surface through really this 
human interaction. We've been talking about the Oral History Project. The festival will also offer several other film screenings. Um, one of them is an OPB documentary about the history of Vanport. And there will also be selected scenes debuting from the documentary Priced Out 15 Years of Gentrification in Portland, Oregon, which focuses on how the historically black communities in North and Northeast Portland uh, have changed in, in the last 15 years. Um, why did you choose this film for the festival? What does it say about your theme of Vanport being an event that has impacted for decades to come? Well, I think it's it's a perfect choice. Price Out is actually the sequel to a documentary that uh, Cornelius Farce produced. It was Northeast Passage. So he's been exploring the history of gentrification for a long time. And I really like his approach. He wants to bring the complexity of the of the history and of the current crisis so he wa- he wants to go beyond uh, you know the mean gentrifier and the community that is a, a victim i think he, he, his work uh, is, is really powerful and is again i i love complexity and that's why you know even in my own project i like to explore and and elevate many different perspectives so that we can have a, a complicated conversation, although it looks like we are allergic (laughs) to complexity. But I think until we do that, uh, it's hard to really uh, understand what we are facing. So Price Out is a great uh, documentary, almost done, and we are honored and thrilled that we are going to be able to present a few scenes. It will be followed by a community dialogue facilitated by Oregon Humanities. So again, we are inviting people to learn history, uh, enjoy powerful storytelling, but then think about what it means and what actions we can all take individually, and of course, as a city. That was Vanport Mosaic Festival co-director Laura Loforti. The documentary Priced Out will screen Sunday the 28th at 11 a.m., and the oral histories will screen Saturday the 27th at 6.30 and Monday the 29th at 6. More information on the festival's schedule at vanportmosaic.org. Back to you, Conch. Thank you, Jen. And now we're joined in the studio by Greg Hamilton. Uh, Greg has been collecting archival films about the century-old Portland Rose Festival, and we'll be screening a number of them at the historic Hollywood Theater. Uh, Greg, fantastic to have you. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we're showing a, a couple of films. Um, one is actually a, a recent film that, uh, that has a lot of archival footage in it. It's called From One Rose, and it was directed by local filmmaker uh, Ira Flowers. And um, that is a, um, um, an unusual kind of a docudrama that uh, tells the history of the Rose Festival um, through uh, the fictional experiences uh, of a character, uh, a lady narr- narrator. And and um, it's a it's it's a great film. And then we have another film that's a uh, uh, an archival piece that uh, that was commissioned by the Rose Festival back in 1979. Um, a parade of champions. A parade of champions, and uh, it is uh, um, a day in the life of the Rose Festival. And uh, it's a great uh, slice of time looking back at Portland, uh, Portland that is really different from what we got today. But uh, it just shows all of the different aspects of the Rose Festival. It's very it's very interesting. It has a uh, has a cameo from Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is the uh, um, the uh, MC, or I'm sorry, the uh, Grand Marshal of the Starlight Parade. Yeah, uh, I, I I saw from One Rose a few years ago. I think it's ten years old now, and 
I was struck by it. Was, it's a it's a very odd film. You know, it's not sort of this normal uh, promotional film that you'd expect from a festival group, but it sort of has uh, weird twists towards the end that take it into this uh, this very unusual uh, narrative form. Yeah, and that's a credit to to Ira Flowers and David Weingarten who who wrote that. Um, it, they uh, then decided to go outside of the boundaries of a, a normal documentary that would just you know show you everything. This um, this actually has some soul to it, and um, it's a it's an unusual film, a, a very unusual film that's uh, that that tells history from a personal standpoint, um, but also gives you um, kind of the, the the broader worldview of what's going going on at the time and how that correlates to Portland and the Rose Festival. They, 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 they went big when they made that film. So Now, despite all the interpretive elements of it, this is all actual footage, and some of it goes back, you know, just decades and decades to our grandparents' day. And you, you have interesting stories about coming into this. You're a 16-millimeter film collector and archivist, and uh, you sort of um, went up to the Rose Festival people and said, "Hey, do you have any old films? And or can I can I help out in this endeavor?" Yeah, no. I um, in 2006, I was looking for a project to do, and I knew that the 100th anniversary of the festival was coming up. So I approached them, and they said, "Well, we've got another filmmaker that's that's doing something for us, and we'll put you in touch." And so we did. And I had um, I had film of the Junior Rose Festival and some other pieces that uh, that I wanted to 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 add to the project and so Ira brought me in and uh, I was very gracious and we collaborated on that aspect of it and have collaborated on other projects since but uh, that it's um, yeah it's it's got it's largely archival lots of stills some you know some moving footage but uh, it's a it's a unique pastiche of Portland and the Rose Festival people actually had film that they had hardly even touched that uh, they just gave you full access to, and they didn't know what they had. Well, they had um, the, the the Rose Festival had been producing uh, promotional films for the uh, for the festival um, during the uh, the sixties, seventies, and eighties. Uh, kind of, I'm not sure how often, but you know, they were almost every year, every other year. And um, when we were putting together from one Rose, they came to us with uh, um, just all of these these archival materials. And uh, it was a little late in the process when we got to it. So, uh, you know, there was only a little bit of it that found its way into From One Rose, but we still, I still have um, those. And The Parade of Champions was one of the films that came out of that. I, I had that all. It was a standout, of, huh? Yeah, well, it was. It was but, but it was a challenge, too, because it was not a finished film. It was all of the film elements. So we had, you know, all of the, 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 uh, the, the different film pieces on cores and then the magnetic strip uh, that had the soundtrack on it a whole and separate s- magnetic strip yeah, yeah no and so it, i i took that to uh, um, uh gary locker to have it transferred and then um went through and have been editing and color correcting and doing all of the work to bring it back into uh, a final piece so when you see it um when it when it shows next month will be really the first time that it's been shown in portland so tell us when uh, people can see these two films, From One Rose and A Parade of Champions. Um, we'll be showing them at the Hollywood Theater on Monday, June 5th at 7.30 p.m. And uh, and also there's something we should watch out for. You are friendly with a fellow named Herod Blank. He's a documentarian, famous documentarian. Um, he is the son of Les Blank, who is an even more famous documentarian, Burden of Dreams, one of his, uh, about uh, Werner Herzog. 
Uh, Herod did a film called Wild Wheels about art cars, and a lot of it was filmed with people here in Portland, a big art car community. So you are doing sort of, uh, this is going to be your first documentary short. You are working uh, on a short called Thou Shalt Not Tailgate, and it's about one of the uh, great art car people here in Portland, famous art car person here in Portland. Yeah, uh, Chuck Linville. He's uh, he's he's really uh, kind of a pillar of uh, of, uh, of Portland's art car community, and uh, um, I I really love Les Blank's films, and um, I, I wanted to um, to go and capture uh, Chuck because he has he has multiple art cars, and his house, uh, which is out in Selwood, is a kind of a work of art unto itself, and uh, I really wanted to kind of peel back the layers and and look at uh, the the person that Chuck is and and also in contrast to the um, to the transition that Portland is going through Portland's been tagged as a weird town but um, it is also it's undergoing a lot of changes oh yeah and uh, Chuck is kind of the antidote to all of that in some ways he's uh, he really is legitimately his own independent uh, creative person and uh, he he stands out, and so he's a he's a perfect documentary subject. And so I'm, I've been working actually on that with uh, with Ira Flowers, and uh, um, you know we're hoping to to have it get going here possibly in the summer. Well, we'll have to have you back when that film gets closer to completion. Uh, Thou shalt not tailgate, uh, Greg. It's been fantastic to have you here. Thanks for swinging by. Thanks for having me. And how can people find out more about your work, Greg Hamilton? Um, I, I, you can find me on Facebook. Um, and uh, like I said, uh, actually, I don't have a website. So, <laughs> but, uh, but if you look me up, Greg Hamilton, on Facebook and uh, uh, look for me over at the Hollywood whenever I do shows. That's right. You are on the board of the Hollywood Theater. All right. You're listening to the film show on KBU. I'm S.W. Conser. And now let's join up with Jen, who has this month's film events calendar. Here's a few local film events coming up in the next month. On Saturday, May 27th, the Pipe Organ Pictures Series presents Thanhauser Treasures at the Hollywood Theater. The 2 p.m. matinee screening will feature several early silent films from 1911 through 1915 by the Thanhauser Company, presented by Ned Thanhauser. The program will also feature live organ accompaniment by Dean Lemire. Details at hollywoodtheater.org. On Saturday, May 27th at 6.30 p.m., the ongoing Portland Ecofilm Festival will screen Promised Land at the Hollywood Theater. This documentary centers on the Pacific Northwest's Duwamish Tribe and Chinook Indian Nation as they fight for treaty rights. More info at portlandecofilmfest.org. On Wednesday, May 31st, the Northwest Film Center presents an evening with nature documentarian Kathy Kasich. While an artist in resident at Montana's Tippett Rise Art Center, she collaborated with musicians who played concerts there to create a collection of short films on the art ranch. She'll present a program of those films at 7 p.m. and take questions after the screening. Details at nwfilm.org. On June 8th, KBU's own film series at the Clinton Street Theater continues with the program A Night on the Border, featuring two films directed by the late documentarian Les Blank about the history and culture of Tex-Mex music, Del Mero Corazon and Chulas Fronteras. Screening starts at 7 p.m. More information at cstpdx.com or at our website, kboo.fm. 
From June 8th through the 10th, the Hollywood Theater will be home to the Portland Horror Film Festival 2017, featuring over 40 international short and feature films from the horror genre. Festival schedule and more details available at portlandhorrorfilmfestival.com. From June 11th through the 25th, the Northwest Film Center will present the 25th annual Portland Jewish Film Festival, featuring over a dozen international films that show the diversity of Jewish history, culture, identity, and filmmaking. More info at nwfilm.org. On June 15th, the ongoing Hollywood theater series Queer Horror presents the cult 90s dark comedy Drop Dead Gorgeous. This special Pride Season event will open with a drag pageant hosted by Portland drag clown Carla Rossi. Show starts at 9.30 p.m. Details at hollywoodtheater.org. And on June 15th, the Real Cool Jazz Series continues at the Clinton Street Theater with a 7 p.m. screening of Body and Soul, an American Bridge. The music documentary looks at the 30s jazz standard Body and Soul and its influences from both Jewish and African American culture. This series is co-presented by KBU. More information at cstpdx.com or at kboo.fm. That about wraps it up. Have a good month, everybody. Thank you, Jen. And thanks to our guests today, Laura Loforti, Carl Deal, and Greg Hamilton. Thanks also to the Oregon Media Production Association for their support and collaboration. And thanks to all our listeners on the radio dial and on the web, especially those of you who called in to become a member at KBOO. The audio for this show, as well as our extended interviews, are available uh, later today on our archive page, kboo.fm slash thefilmshow. And you can keep up with us on Twitter, at kboofilmshow. Now stay tuned for an afternoon of music on your homegrown Portland radio station. (laughs) 